The Bible, the book that has changed the world by changing lives around the world. Men and women, young and old, the Bible has changed my life. The love, stability, and hope that I need, they're all found in the Bible. The Bible gives me hope that a new day is coming. The Bible is helping me see what really matters. The Bible Live is a -a one-of-a-kind, first-time-in-history radio program. Offering you the chance to hear a 15 to 20 minute Bible reading each weeknight. The entire Bible, every year. Hear the scriptures, then call in with your comments and questions. This is the best show in the world. Well, actually, I was speaking against everything you were talking about before, and uh, now I, I stand humbly corrected. I'm a pastor, and our people really need to know the word more. The Bible also transformed the life of your Bible Live host full-blooded Apache Indian, born out of wedlock and abandoned at birth. Soapy Dollar was found in a big city alley by a kind-hearted fortune teller, then passed around to 16 families before he was six years old. Placed in a home for homeless and delinquent boys, Soapy Dollar heard the Bible's life-changing message at the age of eight, and the course of his life was changed. He's an American Indian guitar playing all around rodeo cowboy. I keep my thumb between the pages and my heart in the book. With more degrees than a thermometer and over 40 years of introducing folks just like you to the God of the Bible. Here is Soapy Dollar. in the house. Thank you for joining us tonight. This is the Soapster, and we are glad once again to join with you as we listen our way through and respond our way through this old book, the Bible. This book is not unintelligible. It's quite easy to understand what it's saying and what is happening. Now, it's not a book that you can come to mindlessly. It's 66 different books written by 40 different authors over a period of 1,400 years. There's poetry, there's prose, there is history involved, there is Levitical law, religious procedures and rituals spoken of, these different kinds of literature. And the proclamations and the preachings of the great prophets, like the book we're reading right now, is the book of Jeremiah. And this is a man who preached to the nation of Israel and to its leaders during a specific time in their history, a very volatile time, the 40 years that were leading up to the destruction of Jerusalem, this terrible calamity. And we're not just talking about they couldn't water but on two days a week. It wasn't that sort of thing at all. There was a siege laid for 13 months. They couldn't eat or drink. Some people were even forced to go as far as cannibalism, eating their own children. This was a terribly difficult time in the history of this nation. But if you read it with a little context and a little history and understanding of what was being said, it is such a powerful book. There's so many advantages that come to us from knowing God. There's peace, no more fear of death. There's a basis for morality and for behaving well. There's reason to our life. It makes sense of our life and our existence. And it gives infinite purpose to our lives and meaning so many other blessings that come to us from God's Word. So I hope that you're getting those and experiencing those as we make our way through the Scriptures. I'll give you a little bit of a heads up, a little bit of context when we come to our reading from Jeremiah. We're going to pick up in chapter 7 tonight. But right now, let's go to our wisdom and worship segment in Psalm 112, the advantages of having faith in God. God guards the minds and the actions of those who follow His commands. 
Let's listen and learn to the Bible life. Psalm 112. Praise the Lord. Happy are those who fear the Lord. Yes, happy are those who delight in doing what He commands. Their children will be successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. They themselves will be wealthy, and their good deeds will never be forgotten. When darkness overtakes the godly, light will come bursting in. They are generous, compassionate, and righteous. All goes well for those who are generous, who lend freely and conduct their business fairly. Such people will not be overcome by evil circumstances. Those who are righteous will be long remembered. They do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. They are confident and fearless and can face their foes triumphantly. They give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will never be forgotten. They will have influence and honor. The wicked will be infuriated when they see this. They will grind their teeth in anger. They will slink away their hopes thwarted. End of reading Psalm 112. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. We just heard a beautiful reading from Psalm 112 reminding us of why we believe. There are blessings, there are advantages to knowing the true and living God. It makes a difference in your life. Yes, we are well aware of the fact that as believers, we often fail in our relationship with God and our relationship with each other, and we hurt people. We still have those impulses, that sinfulness, that selfishness. God is not finished with us yet. We've been forgiven and cleansed, and He is working in our lives, and we trust Him to be better people, to reflect more the character of our Savior, and to bring glory and honor to His name. But the advantages of walking with God are that we have eternal life, a security and a peace that comes to us as we face death, the ultimate destination of every human being. We all dream of being with our loved ones, our children, our grandparents, our dear friends. We dream that we will see our loved ones again. The Bible tells us, yes, in Christ, we can have that pleasure, that deep satisfaction of knowing that we'll be together with God's people forever. That includes our loved ones, that husband or wife that we dearly love and or that child that went early in life. I just talked today with a wonderful Christian man that lost their son and how comforted they are that they know that their son was in Christ and they will see him again. That's a tremendous blessing. And how about morality, good and evil? We have forgiveness, we have cleansing, and the power of God at work in our lives to help us to do good and to be the kind of men and women that we want to be and that we know God wants us to be. And then there's, of course, the whole idea of truth. Having our lives line up with reason, with reality, the way things really are. God on his throne and heaven is our destiny and there is a reason for our existence. And there's real guidance for us in God's word. These are the themes that Jeremiah speaks to the people about. He speaks to them about death, about morality, about connecting with loved ones, about truth preaching the truth to them and calling upon them to repent, turn away from their sin. And yet they are not paying attention to Jeremiah. They don't listen to him. And this is one of the reasons we admire Jeremiah so much. In the face of rejection, of ridicule, in the face of persecution, Jeremiah remains faithful to his message. He loves his people. He calls out to them without ceasing. 
I admire him so much, and yet we cannot help but note the hard-headedness and the wickedness of most of the people as they reject God's message to them to repent and turn from their sins, to trust in the Lord for the hardships and the difficulties that they are facing. Jeremiah tonight will speak to the people from the temple, and they will persist in rejecting his message. He'll go on to talk about false prophets and their danger to the people. Let's listen now and learn as best we can from the Bible. Jeremiah 7, 1 through 9, 26. Jeremiah 7. The Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He said, Go to the entrance of the Lord's temple and give this message to the people. O Judah, listen to this message from the Lord. Listen to it, all of you who worship here. The Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says, Even now, if you quit your evil ways, I will let you stay in your own land. But do not be fooled by those who repeatedly promise your safety because the temple of the Lord is here. I will be merciful only if you stop your wicked thoughts and deeds and are fair to others, and if you stop exploiting foreigners, orphans, and widows, and if you stop your murdering, and if you stop worshiping idols as you now do to your own harm. Then I will let you stay in this land that I gave to your ancestors to keep forever. Do you think that because the temple is here you will never suffer? Don't fool yourselves. Do you really think you can steal, murder, commit adultery, lie, and worship Baal and all these other new gods of yours, and then come here and stand before me in my temple and chant, We are safe, only to go right back to all those evils again? Do you think this temple, which honors my name, is a den of thieves? I see all the evil going on there, says the Lord. Go to the place at Shiloh where I once put the tabernacle to honor my name. See what I did there because of all the wickedness of my people, the Israelites. While you were doing these wicked things, says the Lord, I spoke to you about it repeatedly, but you would not listen. I called out to you, but you refused to answer. So just as I destroyed Shiloh, I will now destroy this temple that was built to honor my name. This temple that you trust for help. This place that I gave to you and your ancestors. And I will send you into exile, just as I did your relatives, the people of Israel. Pray no more for these people, Jeremiah. Do not weep or pray for them, and don't beg me to help them, for I will not listen to you. Do you not see what they are doing throughout the towns of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? No wonder I am so angry. Watch how the children gather wood and the fathers build sacrificial fires. See how the women knead dough and make cakes to offer to the queen of heaven. And they give drink offerings to their other idol gods. Am I the one they are hurting, asked the Lord? Most of all, they hurt themselves to their own shame. So the sovereign Lord says, I will pour out my terrible fury on this place. Its people, animals, trees, and crops will be consumed by the unquenchable fire of my anger. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Away with your burnt offerings and sacrifices. Eat them yourselves. When I led your ancestors out of Egypt, it was not burnt offerings and sacrifices I wanted from them. This is what I told them. Obey me and I will be your God and you will be my people. Only do as I say and all will be well. But my people would not listen to me. They kept on doing whatever they wanted, following the stubborn desires of their evil hearts. They went backward instead of forward. From the day your ancestors left Egypt until now, I have continued to send my prophets, day in and day out. But my people have not listened to me or even tried to hear. They have been stubborn and sinful, even worse than their ancestors. Tell them all this, but do not expect them to listen. Shout out your warnings, but do not expect them to respond. 
Say to them, This is the nation whose people will not obey the Lord their God, and who refuse to be taught. Truth has vanished from among them. It is no longer heard on their lips. O Jerusalem, shave your head in mourning, and weep alone on the mountains. For the Lord has rejected and forsaken this generation that has provoked His fury. The people of Judah have sinned before my very eyes, says the Lord. They have set up their abominable idols right in my own temple, defiling it. They have built pagan shrines of Topheth in the valley of the son of Hinnom, where they sacrificed their little sons and daughters in the fire. I have never commanded such a horrible deed. It never even crossed my mind to command such a thing. So beware, for the time is coming, says the Lord, when that place will no longer be called Topheth or the valley of the son of Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter. They will bury so many bodies in Topheth that there won't be room for all the graves. The corpses of my people will be food for the vultures and wild animals, and no one will be left to scare them away. I will put an end to the happy singing and laughter in the streets of Jerusalem. The joyful voices of bridegrooms and brides will no longer be heard in the towns of Judah. The land will lie in complete desolation. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Jeremiah 8. In that day, says the Lord, the enemy will break open the graves of the kings and officials of Judah, and the graves of the priests, prophets, and common people. They will dig out their bones and spread them out on the ground before the sun, moon, and stars. The gods my people have loved, served, and worshipped. Their bones will not be gathered up again or buried, but will be scattered on the ground like dung. And the people of this evil nation who survive will wish to die rather than live where I will send them. I, the Lord Almighty, have spoken. Jeremiah, say to the people, this is what the Lord says. When people fall down, don't they get up again? When they start down the wrong road and discover their mistake, don't they turn back? Then why do these people keep going along their self-destructive path, refusing to turn back even though I have warned them? I listen to their conversations, and what do I hear? Is anyone sorry for sin? Does anyone say, what a terrible thing I have done? No, all are running down the path of sin as swiftly as a horse rushing into battle. The stork knows the time of her migration, as do the turtle dove, the swallow, and the crane. They all return at the proper time each year, but not my people. They do not know what the Lord requires of them. How can you say we are wise because we have the law of the Lord, when your teachers have twisted it so badly? These wise teachers will be shamed by exile for their sin, for they have rejected the word of the Lord. Are they so wise after all? I will give their wives and their farms to others. From the least to the greatest, they trick others to get what does not belong to them. Yes, even my prophets and priests are like that. They offer superficial treatments for my people's mortal wound. They give assurances of peace when all is war. Are they ashamed when they do these disgusting things? No, not at all. They don't even blush. Therefore, they will lie among the slaughtered. They will be humbled when they are punished, says the Lord. I will take away their rich harvests of figs and grapes. Their fruit trees will all die. All the good things I prepared for them will soon be gone. I, the Lord, have spoken. Then the people will say, Why should we wait here to die? Come, let's go to the fortified cities to die there. For the Lord our God has decreed our destruction and has given us a cup of poison to drink because we sinned against the Lord. 
We hoped for peace, but no peace came. We hoped for a time of healing, but found only terror. The snorting of the enemy's war horses can be heard all the way from the land of Dan in the north. The whole land trembles at the approach of the terrible army, for it is coming to devour the land and everything in it, cities and people alike. I will send these enemy troops among you like poisonous snakes you cannot charm, says the Lord. No matter what you do, they will bite you and you will die. My grief is beyond healing. My heart is broken. Listen to the weeping of my people. It can be heard all across the land. Has the Lord abandoned Jerusalem? The people ask. Is her king no longer there? Oh, why have you angered me with your carved idols and worthless gods? Asked the Lord. The harvest is finished and the summer is gone, the people cry. Yet we are not saved. I weep for the hurt of my people. I am stunned and silent, mute with grief. Is there no medicine in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why is there no healing for the wounds of my people? You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Jeremiah 9. Oh, that my eyes were a fountain of tears. I would weep forever. I would sob day and night for all my people who have been slaughtered. Oh, that I could go away and forget them and live in a shack in the desert, for they are all adulterous and treacherous. My people bend their tongues like bows to shoot lies. They refuse to stand up for the truth, and they only go from bad to worse. They care nothing for me, says the Lord. Beware of your neighbor. Beware of your brother. They all take advantage of one another and spread their slanderous lies. They all fool and defraud each other. No one tells the truth. With practiced tongues, they tell lies. They wear themselves out with all their sinning. They pile lie upon lie and utterly refuse to come to me, says the Lord. Therefore, the Lord Almighty says, See, I will melt them in a crucible and test them like metal. What else can I do with them? For their tongues aim lies like poisoned arrows. They promise peace to their neighbors while planning to kill them. Should I not punish them for this? asked the Lord. Should I not avenge myself against a nation such as this? I will weep for the mountains and wail for the desert pastures, for they are desolate and empty of life. The lowing of cattle is heard no more. The birds and wild animals all have fled. I will make Jerusalem into a heap of ruins, says the Lord. It will be a place haunted by jackals. The towns of Judah will be ghost towns with no one living in them. Who is wise enough to understand all this? Who has been instructed by the Lord and can explain it to others? Why has the land been ruined so completely that no one even dares to travel through it? The Lord replies, This has happened because my people have abandoned the instructions I gave them. They have refused to obey my law. Instead, they have stubbornly followed their own desires and worshipped the images of Baal as their ancestors taught them. So now listen to what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Look, I will feed them with bitterness and give them poison to drink. I will scatter them around the world, and they will be strangers in distant lands. Their enemies will chase them with the sword until I have destroyed them completely. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Think about what is going on. Call for the mourners to come. Quick, begin your weeping. Let the tears flow from your eyes. Hear the people of Jerusalem crying in despair. We are ruined. Disaster has come upon us. 
We must leave our land because our homes have been torn down. Listen, you women, to the words of the Lord. Open your ears to what he has to say. Teach your daughters to wail. Teach one another how to lament. For death has crept in through our windows and has entered our mansions. It has killed off the flower of our youth. Children no longer play in the streets and young men no longer gather in the squares. And the Lord says, Bodies will be scattered across the fields like dung or like bundles of grain after the harvest. No one will be left to bury them. This is what the Lord says, Let not the wise man gloat in his wisdom or the mighty man in his might or the rich man in his riches. Let them boast in this alone that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who is just and righteous, whose love is unfailing, and that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. A time is coming, says the Lord, when I will punish all those who are circumcised in body but not in spirit, the Egyptians, Edomites, Ammonites, Moabites, the people who live in distant places, and yes, even the people of Judah. Like all these pagan nations, the people of Israel also have uncircumcised hearts. End of reading, Jeremiah 7, 1 through 9, 26. What up in the morning when I wake up, even before I fill my coffee cup, I said, thank you, thank you. What if I looked at the day and the hours ahead, and before I move forward, I bowed my head and said, Jeremiah preaches at the front door of the temple. He goes to the center of the city of Jerusalem, and there at the temple he is told to present this message in chapter 7. This happens during the reign of Jehoiakim, a puppet king or leader. He was in the royal lineage, but he had been placed there in charge by Egypt. The nation is in shock over the death of this child king, Josiah, who took the throne at age eight and then as a teenager rediscovered the scriptures and read the law, the book of Deuteronomy, to the people of Jerusalem and Judah. It helped spark a spiritual awakening, a revival among the people. It wasn't 100%, but that remnant that Jeremiah keeps talking about, they were fired to action, and Josiah as a leader helped reverse so much of the idolatry, the wickedness, the child sacrifice, human sacrifice on the altar to Moloch. There were altars to false gods and false religion all throughout the city and even in the temple. Josiah had taken those away. Now, though, the people are going through a spiritual reversal. Jeremiah was almost put to death for this sermon, but he was saved by the officials of Judah. We'll see in chapter 26. Now, the people followed a religious ritual, but they maintained a sinful lifestyle, religion without personal commitment to God. And the same thing can happen to us, attending church, taking communion, teaching Sunday school, singing in the choir, empty exercises, unless we are truly doing them for God. And he knows our hearts. We can't fool him. We have a tremendous difficulty here in our own country right now with Christianity as entertainment. I love music as much as the next person. We all like a good rhythm, and we like a beautiful melody and beautiful music. There's nothing wrong in and of itself with these things. But if we're going to our worship times just to be entertained, just to hear, oh, the latest, greatest speaker, this guy who's so good, the newest teacher, the newest preacher on the speech circuit. I love a great sermon, and I love great speakers. But just being a good speaker doesn't make a person a man of God. As people who follow and listen 
We have to quit being so enamored of style, hyperbole, speech skills, or musical skills, and start listening for truth. Does it line up with the Word of God? Is it the message that God has for our hearts? One of the reasons that Jeremiah goes to speak at the temple is there was this false belief that you'll never suffer. God's not going to let anything happen to us because the temple is here. They were using the temple like a rabbit's foot or a good luck charm of some kind. Just false religious superstition. That's all it was. Worship and the sacrifices and the offerings and so on. Those things can have a meeting and move the heart of God and please God. But if we're doing them like a good luck charm, it is not only wrong, it is wicked, terribly sinful. He says, don't be fooled into thinking that you'll never suffer because the temple is here. It's a lie. He doesn't beat around the bush. He says, do you really think you can steal and murder and commit adultery and lie and burn incense to false gods like Baal and all those other new gods of yours and then come stand before me here in the temple and chant, we are safe, only to go right back to all those evils again? It is a message that could resound even in our time for the people of God, those who love the Lord. Don't reject this message. Let it go to our hearts. Is there hypocrisy in me? Am I just going through the motions? Jeremiah says, look at Shiloh. Shiloh was a place where the tabernacle was placed and was kept for a good long while. The temple now is just a permanent site for what the tabernacle was. God didn't keep Shiloh from being destroyed. That's what Jeremiah is saying. You can go now to the place of Shiloh where the tabernacle was once kept. It bore my name, that place, but you'll see that it's gone. It's been destroyed. And just as I destroyed Shiloh, I will now destroy this temple. America needs to hear the word of God about this nation. Those of us who call ourselves by the name of Jesus, the Messiah, we are now spiritual Israel, and God is calling out to us to turn away from our obsession with idolatry and with performance and with entertainment and with ease and comfort and get down to the serious business of humbling ourselves before the Lord and doing all that we can. There are movements to promote sexual perversion and homosexuality right here in our own city. It would harm and destroy people's lives. And we as God's people must speak up and stand up. These are the kind of things that we must have the courage and the vision to do in the name of the Lord as he enables us. Reject false messages. Jeremiah warns the people about false teachers, false prophets, telling a totally different message. Nothing bad is going to happen to you because the temple is here, using God as a good luck charm. God is a rabbit's foot. Jeremiah exposes that lie. Now, how do we know a false prophet? Does the prophet use fortune-telling? Divination is expressly forbidden by God in His Word. Have the prophet's short-term prophecies been fulfilled? In Deuteronomy 18.22, this is used as a test. Do the predictions come to pass 100%? Is the prophet marked by a desire to say what only pleases people instead of pleasing God? Does the prophet draw people away from God or toward God? Does the prophet's prophecy confirm the Bible's teaching? God will not contradict himself. And what is the prophet's moral character? The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Soapy reads from the New Living Translation by Kendall Hoff Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America. And your prayers and financial support are needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to the Bible Live Post Office Box 18888. That's the Bible Live P.O. Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas, 78218. 
You may also make credit card donations and purchase materials at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for The Bible Live with Soapy Dollars. Start today and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word. Thank you.